Last call! Last call, friends! This episode is brought to you by The Magic Star. Five steps to deliberate creation, and this is your last call to get 50% off that audio journey when you enter this code at checkout, one word, all lowercase, groovy. When you enter the word groovy, in at checkout, you will get 50% off the magic star, which is my personal formula for magic. It is very much delivered in the same style of the Hippie Witch podcast. So if you like this, you might like that too. Merry Witchmas and a ho, ho, ho. Hope you love it. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Peace love and all that good shit what if dolly parton wrote us a theme song would it sound like this would it sound like this hippie witch season six that was a good one hello thanks for joining me for episode 542 of hippie witch magic for a new age my name is joanna devoe and i am the groovy creatrix behind kick-ass switch putting the k in magic and hippie witch the show you are listening to right now i also have a free ebook by that name hippie witch peace love and all that good shit and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com where you will also find the show notes for this episode including links to today's very special guest lisa rose snow the director of under the christmas tree lifetime's first lesbian rom-com christmas movie i'm so excited about this <laughs> You know how I get when I get excited, and I'm excited today. So I hope you all love this as much as I loved recording it. This is for you especially if queer representation in the media is important to you, or like me, you have a special place in your heart for women rising through the ranks and establishing themselves as real players in the film industry, or you just love a good success story. And, and if you only tune into the Hippie Witch podcast because you love magic, don't let the movie talk throw you. This conversation gets more magical as we reach the end of it, and it ends with a really fun manifestation story that you're definitely going to want to stick around for. And my personal favorite takeaway from this is no matter what you are in pursuit of professionally, get involved go where the people are you cannot be in the right place at the right time if you do not participate in the game so i will just leave you with that little nugget of biz witchy wisdom and we'll hop right into this interview with lisa rose snow hello lisa rose snow welcome to hippie witch yay thanks so much for having me i'm so excited to talk to you because you are a big fancy person now oh yes oh good tell me how fancy i am <laughs> you're so fancy you have three names you're like entering the three name club with sarah jessica parker anthony michael hall John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I like this club. This is a good club. It's a good club. It's a good club. Years ago, I was an extra on a movie called The Cable Guy. 
Uh-huh. And Matthew Broderick was one of the actors. And I was so stunned. He talked to his wife, who is Sarah Jessica Parker, on the phone all the time. And he would address her as Sarah Jessica. And I was like, wow, that's so fancy and formal. Yes. Yes, Sarah Jessica. I always wondered if she went by Sarah Jessica in her like real life or I mean, I I feel like if her husband is calling her Sarah Jessica, that that it's Sarah Jessica. (laughs) I love that. Lots of people call me LRS. Sometimes people don't even say the names, just just the letters, which also works for me, you know? I love it. So pretty, Lisa Rose. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Did you go by that when you were little? I did in terms of like my, my family would call me that, but I went by it. uh, I just went by Lisa in school, but then like somewhere post university, I was like, you know what? I'm going by Lisa Rose. So I, I reverted Mm. full circle. Yeah. People only, and when by people, I mean my mom, people only call me by two names if I'm in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Joanna Jean. I'm like, oh no. What have I done? Yeah. What have I done? Okay. So I wanted to ask you about school actually, because you are a filmmaker and I was just staring at your IMDB account and trying to figure out how far back does this go? Mm. And I saw as an actor, you're an actor, a writer, and a director. Very exciting in my opinion, super boss lady. But I saw the credits went back to like maybe 2002 and you were listed as student as an actor. So did this begin for you in school? Yeah, I, I saw a play when I was about seven years old. It was like my first real kind of theater experience. And I was like, that's someone's job. And I was like, that's what I want to do. My parents are like, are you sure? (laughs) And I was like, yes. Uh, So I pursued acting pretty heavy when I was a kid and by that I meant I just like forced my parents to let me take classes and stuff and and then I ended up eventually studying it in university but when I was in high school you know I was doing a a few auditions I had gotten an agent I was doing a few little auditions but I was mostly doing background work as well so that credit would have been probably from Trudeau I believe it was this mini series that they did 2002 I think you said that was my first time on a set and it was just background, but it was actually awesome for me for whatever lucky reason, a a tiny little clip of me in the background appeared in the commercial for the, for the miniseries. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden the kids in my high school were like, did I just see you in a commercial on TV? I'm like, yes, you did. (laughs) That was me. You know, I mean, I like, and probably that's the like one second that I'm in the entire series and it happened to be in the commercial. So it was like quite rewarding for me, but um, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, so I, I, I did that uh, sort of backgroundy work until I actually started booking real work, which wasn't until after I graduated university, actually. So there was quite a few years in there with, with nothing, but you know, we mm. live and learn. Didn't you grow up in Nova Scotia? I did. Yes. Yep. I feel like it's bold to dream about being an actor when you grew up in Nova Scotia or do I not know about Nova Scotia? Is there a big film industry there? You know what? There isn't a huge one there. We, we have a great industry there and it was certainly growing in the 2000s, especially coming up. They, they were filming quite a lot there and 
it started to get really, really busy. You know, we have some really great crews there. And then back in 2000, see either 2013 or 2014, they got rid of the tax, the film tax credit, which really, really killed the industry for a while. And now it's, it's starting to come back. The thing with Nova Scotia is that it looks so much like New England. You know, oh. you can really substitute it for, for your Massachusetts or your Vermont, you know, or Maine. It's got, it's got a lot of really similar vibes. So it, it tends to be used to duplicate those areas because of said tax credit. It made it cheaper for people to come up from, from the U.S. and film there. So that, that really helped us out for a long time. And now it's, it's starting to get back on its feet again. They just filmed um, the most recent season of The Sinner, for example, there. And um, cool. yeah, they, they've got some good crews that they lost some good crews during the old tax credit fiasco, but people are slowly coming home. Mm. Right now you work out of Toronto? Yes, yeah. Well, Toronto's yeah. pretty big business as far as I know. I mean, I guess I'm thinking of TIFF, but yeah. people film there. Like this is um, a place yeah. to go if you want to yeah. be a filmmaker. Yeah, definitely. In Canada, I would say it, it's it's certainly the biggest, the biggest market with the most productions followed by Vancouver. Right. You know, in Canada, we do a lot of what we call service productions, which are basically American shows that film here for our tax credits and a few other reasons and so so we'll have these productions come up where which is a lot of Americans and then some of our crew sort of populate those and you know the local actors get like day player gigs and stuff but in, in terms of the hub like Toronto really is is where it's at if you want to be making filming in Canada yeah. in my opinion yeah and you so are yeah <laughs> how do you feel about Hollywood do you feel like I don't know like Hollywood doesn't take Canada serious and just comes over when like we need a cheap set. What is the feeling? Is there a shadow there? Or are you are you looking to kick our butt? Like, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, is Canada ever looking to kick anyone's butt, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I guess not. <laughs> we're like very polite. And no, I think that there is a growing relationship between between the two countries. And I, I think it's really important and exciting for America and Hollywood to, to recognize the talent that exists here, especially when they're coming here and shooting so often. I think, you know, I feel like there's always a bit of a, of a shadow between the relationship with the countries, but I definitely, I definitely think that we've proven ourselves, you know, we've had, we've had some big, big shows that lived here, you know, like Handmaid's Tale, for instance, Mm -hmm. that's all here in Ontario. So it's like, I, I personally love Hollywood. Like I'm still that little six-year-old with stars in her eyes when I think of it. Um, yeah. But it's amazing how small the industry really is, you know, like it feels like it's it's this big like monolith of, of a thing, but you start to realize even, even, well, especially maybe in Canada, you really all sort of start to know each other and everyone sort of gets to know who the players are and, and same, same with LA, like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as big and as vast as it once once did. I guess that's the same with anything, but yeah. I moved here with Stars in My Eyes three decades ago. And I still, we run into a film set, you know, it could be a commercial, it could be a TV show, whatever, at least once a week, you yeah. know, just in the car driving by, I still feel that feeling I still get like woo I this is why I'm here I just love it I haven't worked in that business in so long but I I cry every year during the Oscar I just love it 
I just love it. I don't know. Movie magic. Once you get that bug, I feel like you are forever bitten. Yeah, totally. And like, I feel I still have it. Like there are definitely some days that feel more like a slog, but for the most part, I'm always pinching myself that I even get to do it and even be involved in it. You know, it, it does still feel really exciting. And I honestly hope it, it always does that sort of I hope that for anyone in anything that they do, that they still have that like joy and kind of wide-eyed wonder. Yeah. When it's gone, it's time to move on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a hard industry too, that if the true like deep love of it disappears, then it's like, okay, then that's your, your sign to exit. You know, I have yeah. lots of younger, <laughs> younger people sometimes, you know, asking me for advice about, you know, the industry or acting. And that's sort of what I say to a lot of them is that like do it unless that there's something you else you'd rather do because it it can be a little brutal and it's you just have to have a lot of resiliency you know and and that's a nice thing to say in theory but the actual act of continually being resilient can be really hard sometimes and Mm -hmm. if, if if there's anything that makes you feel as sparkly I'm always like do that but if it's the thing that makes you sparkle then practice that resiliency and keep meditating you know (laughs) oh yeah 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 for sure yes and hopefully be I mean it's this is hard to say up front I was going to say get into it for the right reasons but you don't really know you're in it for the wrong reasons until you're pretty far into it (laughs) if you're in it for validation it can really eat your soul but if you're in it because you genuinely just love the work of it I feel like that is what is sustaining Totally. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's also too, like, there's so many different jobs within the industry. Like you, you see actors and you see directors more as in sort of the forefront, but you know, there's always room to pivot within it, you know, like, cause I really was like, I'm going to be an actor. And that's all I thought for a long time. And, and then when I found myself behind the camera, sort of writing and directing, like it was like, Oh, I can, I can do this too. Like it, like, just like it opened up my eyes in, in a new way. And, you know, there's like, there's props and there's location and there's sound and there's camera and there's so many, so many jobs within the industry. And it's just like, sometimes it takes a while for people to figure out which one is the one that is actually the most fulfilling and sustainable for them, which might not be the one that initially brought them there in the first place. Yeah. What I love about it is it's all storytelling, whether you get Mm -hmm. into costumes or set design, even lighting or sound, it's literally all storytelling. And I can see then how you could pivot from thing to thing to find like the perfect fit or maybe just the fit for the moment. You know, like yeah. you you started as an actress. Was it, you're a good actress, by the way. I watched your acting reel and you've gotten <laughs> to play some saucy roles. I was like, all right, you know, this is, <laughs> this is fun. She gets to play like the screwed up lady quite often here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the best parts. Yeah, I would totally agree. Was it being an actress and your dream of acting that got you into writing and directing? Like, well, I'll just write and direct my own parts. I know that's that's a common path that gets yeah. people there. But you just said something that caught my attention. You said you fell into it. Like, what, what? <laughs> what are we yeah. talking about here? How did this happen? Yeah, it was one of those things. Like, I was sort of, it was like, I was in my mid-20s and I... I was definitely playing some fun roles, but I was also found myself playing roles that just didn't, weren't 
always the most fulfilling, like the pretty girl who kisses the guy and gets stabbed or the pretty Mm -hmm. girl who just kisses the guy, like, you know, like no substance. And I was like, I was just like, I feel like I started to want to take more control in my life. And, and so I was like, maybe I'll, I'll write. I had been studying in Calgary. There's this amazing theater company in Calgary called One Yellow Rabbit. And they, I'm not sure if they still do it, but they used to do this thing called the Performance Creation Lab, which is this like one month intensive everyday workshop where at you're, you're combining like sort of the philosophy of their company and the, the sort of movement-based creation that they do with this like writing so that at the end of the month, you had a 10 minute show, like a a one person show. And I was really intimidated by that and really excited by it. So I had applied and got accepted. So I went to Calgary and I I did this course and I really loved the writing. And I remember on the last day, um, the, the instructor was sort of like to me, he's like, so you know, you're a writer, right? And I was like, I mean, I, wrote this thing he's like yeah no you're you're like a writer writer and I was like oh isn't that interesting (laughs) like suddenly like needed someone to like say that to me to be like to take ownership but like I mean I'd always written you know like I would like write journals and would like write little plays in school and I wrote a little short film and film and video class back in high school but never really imagined that it could be a career or anything and then uh, a friend of mine had a theater company and she asked me to, to come on board and be a part of it. And then all of a sudden we had this spot to fill in the Fringe Festival. Basically we had three days to rehearse and no script. And she's like, we can just improv. And I was like, no, I, I need a little more structure than that. So I just like almost like vomited out the script. I just like really quickly wrote this little two hand script and sent it to her. I'm like, what if we did something like this? And she was like, oh my God, I love it. And so we ended up doing that show a little two-hander for her and I and then it it did really well it got it won fringe hit and then it got picked up by a festival to be turned into a full thing and then all of a sudden I was like like a playwright and I was like what is happening and then (laughs) I was like okay I'm just gonna keep going with this because this is fun and then a friend maybe a year after that was saying that she was applying to this film program but she really needed a script did I think I could write her a little like five or seven page scripts and I was like yeah sure sure why not you know Um, (laughs) why not and so I did and then it got into the program and then a series of events happened that we ended up losing our director and so I stepped on board to direct so all of a sudden I was finding myself you know on set with 35 crew directing this short film and it was one of those things where I just was like, okay, I'm going to just keep flowing and I'm just going to go with it. And, and then the whole shoot went so beautifully. Like it was just so fun. And, and I kept being like, is this, is this supposed to be this good? And people were like, yeah, no, it's great. And, <laughs> and then that was my first short two penny roadkill, which went on to play festivals all around the world. And then it really jump started this writing directing career and, I find myself now sitting in my little writing room in Toronto talking to you about being a director and I'm just like how did this even happen (laughs) it sounds so synchronistic and guided did it feel guided yes honestly it did and it, it it felt magic every step of the way and like when I was on set on two penny I was just like had this feeling my body was like ah 
this. This is where I've been being led. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel at my most, like, I feel like I'm at my most grounded, my most authentic, like my, the best version of me comes out when I'm directing. And it just, it feels so, it feels so right. It's, It's such a great feeling. Yeah. That's why I called you a boss lady too, because you're <laughs> essentially like helming the ship. Like you are the boss lady as the director. And I think that's so exciting for women mm-hmm. in particular. And just a comment that I wanted to make and just digging around and kind of snooping and trying to suss out your career before talking to you. I can see that you're a joiner. Like you're a person who would join a workshop or, you know, you've won a lot of awards, you participate. And I think that that is one secret to synchronicity and being guided is being involved with other people because many opportunities, particularly in your industry, come through those relationships. And I always tell people this, (laughs) people like to work with people they like. And get involved in whatever, whatever you want to be a part of, get involved in whatever level you can and form those relationships because that can be really magical. Totally. That's such a neat way to look at it. I love, I love that connection between like synchronicity and, and joining. Like you said, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I definitely, I'm, I'm like always like the first to sign up. I'm like, there's a workshop, there's a an application there's a course I'm all, I'm almost at the point where I'm like am I like should I stop applying for all these courses and stuff but I'm, I probably won't until they're like okay Lisa enough but yeah I do I do I do like to be involved that's for sure I definitely want to talk about this I'm just going to mention it quickly and then we'll circle back on it but I do want people to know right now that you are directing you already directed and it's airing soon lifetime's first lesbian Christmas movie called under the Christmas tree. And I kind of took that as my opportunity to reach out. We've kind of been circling each other on social media for a long time, but I was like, this is it. I must talk to the woman who directed lifetime's first lesbian Christmas movie. Cause that is so badass. Oh my gosh. I love, yeah. Happy to. And yeah, I definitely started obsessingly liking all your tweets and circling circling around you is such a more polite way than me just like (laughs) talking you all the time online but yeah I've been a big fan of yours for so long so this is just honestly so exciting to me I love love a mutual love thing I think it's so awesome but I have to backtrack because you mentioned two penny roadkill Mm -hmm. did I say that right two penny roadkill yeah that is a great little short film that people can watch online. I'm going to link to it, but also you made me cry like about an hour before this. I watched When Fish Fly and it really caught me off guard. I was just kind of grooving on the look of it and I was watching it. I guess I was watching your work. You know, I was a little distanced from it. Like, oh, look, oh, look at the color choices and look at this choice. And oh, how interesting. It's basically a silent film. And then at the end, I'm crying. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> oh talent, gosh. talent. That's so touching. I'm. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, one fish fly. I think is that was me being like, can I tell a story without words? And I got into a great program that sadly doesn't exist anymore. But it was called the National Screen Institute's Drama Prize, which is this Canada's big National Screen Institute. They they gave this prize out where they would 
fund for short films every year and I was lucky to receive funding to make one and and I, it really felt like an awesome opportunity to sort of push myself especially it could, short format allows you to do that and I really wanted to see if I could tell a story without without words and still be interesting and still you know still be something worth watching it and, and then and then because I was exploring grief in it I really wanted to to sort of juxtaposition the the child who was the uh, main character, like just like her world. So I wanted it to be really bright and really colorful and playing in these like primary colors. I think I told my production designer, I want it to look like someone like spilled a bag of Skittles all over it. Just like so bright and cheerful, but exploring this sad thing. So, so I'm glad it gotcha. That's nice to hear. Um, yeah. I was thinking, I was watching it thinking it's color therapy for the grieving process. Mm, mm. and it feels more intentional than just a bag of skittles spilled <laughs> yeah. because, because there's pops of really really bright color that mm-hmm. they seem to like punctuate a moment and they take your eye around the screen it's not just like color splashed everywhere it's like bright yellow and then like blue and it's so interesting speaking of synchronicity I don't know how you ended up with the house that you were filming, I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. That <laughs> the the bright yellow house is it's significant to the film, but also the little girl, the actress. Oh yeah. I and mean, how would it work without a talent like that? You have to find a talent like that to make. I mean, just saying it's a silent film is already just gonna alienate so many people, but I would mm-hmm. encourage them to go check it out. And and the final scene with this little girl is so moving. I really did cry. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's uh, Alyssa Cross. She's she's wonderful. And yeah, I I would always call it a dialogue less because I mm-hmm. feel like that's less intimidating. And and you know, interestingly or or not, but uh, for the, my first few films, I purposely was writing characters that I couldn't play because I was really wanting to see if I could, you know, be a writer director. Like, and I didn't want to distract myself by writing those the roles that I was like, oh, I want to be playing this. I wanted to be like, no, like, see if you can make a film without wanting to be in it. So Two Penny is, you know, older characters. And then When Fish Fly is like a young girl. And and I actually have never, to this day, I have yet to write a film part for me to play just because the more I do it, the less I, I feel like I need to do that, if that makes sense. Like the less I'm wanting to just like have an opportunity to be on screen versus wanting to tell tell a story mm. um and just one more thing about that beautiful yellow house which I agree is like literally the world's most perfect house for this movie and we had we were working with a location manager through the program and you know he's he's like well I have this house he's like it's way outside your guys's budget though like he's like you're you're basically we didn't have very much money at all he's like you're never gonna be able to afford it and he's like but I can introduce you to the lady so or like yeah and you know me and my producer both totally spitfire totally like gonna make this happen we show up at this woman's house with like a bouquet of tulips and some girl guide cookies I don't know we're like (laughs) here's some tulips and some girl guide cookies like here's our little movie we really want to make it your house is perfect and she was just like she just she just was on board she was like you know what she I think she was like kind of charmed by our like wide-eyed 
excitement and she she kind of caught kind of caught it so she was like you know what you guys can have it she gave the house I think it was like two hundred dollars or a ridiculously low fee and she was so generous and and yeah it just looked so perfect because she like did she like it oh yeah she loved it she thought it was so cool you know it's so fun for people to have their homes on film you know as I always say though like as long as they're not there during it because it is all the it's people walking through it's a mess it's like I'm like would I let someone film in my house probably not <laughs> but yeah, really grateful for the people that do you know well I wanted to ask you the reason I mentioned the Lifetime movie and these two is because these two shorts oh there's so much I want to say rein it in Joanna focus focus I don't want to be all over the place like a filled bag of skittles but I <laughs> these two films Two Penny Roadkill and Windfish Flight. They feel like they're from the same director. They feel like part of the same world. And I kept thinking of two different directors, wondering maybe if if you admire them or aspire to their type of career. One was Wes Anderson and one was Sofia Coppola. Mm. Because there's a really strong visual element and you would do like these little close-up moments that just kept giving me those vibes. they're very different directors from each other and you're different, but I was getting that feel of somebody who just really loves to play visually with color and little details like that. And then I'm wondering, how does this Lifetime movie fit in? Because I feel like with something like that, maybe you're not allowed to bring all of that to the table, you know, because there's kind of a, a feel that that world has that's quite different. Yeah, yeah, totally. Those are really great references. And and for sure, Wes Anderson has been my favorite filmmaker for a long time. And I think especially in Two Penny and When Fish Fly, you can really feel my like yes. homage to Wes. Yeah, I've definitely, that was intentional and definitely a huge source of inspiration. And, you know, I feel like, like I love Sofia Coppola. I, I feel like my homage to her is just the fact that I'm a director like she was the only female director's name that I knew for for years and years you know I I didn't grow up like a big um cinephile or whatever like I'm not one of those people who's seen every movie and who's got all the Oscar winners of all time memorized knows all these obscure films and just I think was probably part of the reason why I never just was like went straight to directing in my as a viable career option because I just wasn't seeing I wasn't seeing women directors in the mainstream and and until Sofia Coppola but then that for me was just like a a name in the head versus uh, like an actual style whereas when I sort of discovered Wes Anderson sort of years later I was just like oh my god like this is the kind of movies that I want to make like these super stylized really fun and then and so that always lives in me. And then when you look at a movie like this Lifetime movie, I do feel like there are, you can bring bits of yourself. I work on the show with this great showrunner named Anthony Farrell, who's, who's an absolutely amazing creative. And he said something to me that I take with me everywhere now on a show, on a, on a TV show where you're sort of a hired director or even a, on a Lifetime movie, which is still have the parameters of, you know, the brand, it's like you take the circle and you expand it by, by 5%. Mm. So you like, you, you give them what they're looking for and what they want and they need, but then you put, you just, just a little bit about 5%, pull it out so that you have your own 
spin on it and you feel like, you know, like you're getting to be creative. And I think that that for me has been such great advice because as a director in TV, you're, you're normally a hired gun. Like you're, you're coming on, unless you're doing the pilot, your job is really to carry the look of the show into your episode so that when people watch a bunch of different episodes, they feel like they're watching the same show, even if it's a bunch of different directors. Yeah. Whereas like a, an independent movie, you know, like that's all the director's vision. And then and a lifetime movie, so like a made for TV movie, I, I do think it's somewhere somewhere in between. I know that Lifetime with me on this movie were, were super awesome. Like I cannot speak highly enough about how, how generous they were and how open they were to my ideas. And, you know, I wanted this movie to look a little bit different. You know, some Christmas holiday movies of this type are, you know, just so brightly red and brightly green and it's a little in your face and I wanted to do something a little more subtle with it I wanted to to do a little something more subtle with the color palette and and with the wardrobe and just I feel like we've given this opportunity to tell this beautiful story that smashes stereotypes and just you know celebrates representation and just I, I wanted it to feel as special as as it could and I think that we achieved that I'm, I'm so proud of the movie and I think that the acting in it is so good like we got wonderful wonderful actors with great chemistry and sparkle and and the thing that I'm most proud of which I hope comes on the screen but even if it doesn't we really created a little community like our set was good vibes like it was everyone was there to play I feel like you know, I can't speak for all of the crew, but I would say for the most part, like the feedback I was getting and just, just the, the vibes on set was just so positive and so encouraging and so supportive. And it felt like, like we were a real, like little community. And there's so many things that you can't control in terms of the actual outcome, even like the things like the actual, even the cut, you know, it's yeah. that someone else does that, that gets the final say. So there's so many things that I can't control. And the thing that I can help encourage is that sense of community on set. And when we all wrapped, it was just like, it just like, we all felt like we were a part of something really special. And mm. I hope that that shows on the screen, but if it, even if it doesn't, it doesn't take away that we, we all came together and, and created something really full hearted and, you know, did the, did the very best we could with the yeah. circumstances. And I mean, that again goes back to people like to work with people they they like. So <laughs> regardless of what happens, you had that experience and everybody had that experience all the way down the line. And that means more opportunities to be creative in the future. And also this is a historic moment. How exciting to be a part of that. I got a little competitive on your behalf because I'm like proud to barely, barely know you. <laughs> Somebody was talking about, I don't know, tweeting about Hallmark uh -huh. has a Christmas movie with like the first, I can't remember who the characters are, their first gay characters. And I was like, oh, really? Well, Lifetime <laughs> actually has a rom-com centered on a lesbian romance. Top that. Okay. Who is setting the tone here, Hallmark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all for as much representation as possible. I mean, 
Hallmark and Lifetime, like they really make a lot of these, these Christmas movies. And a lot of the other networks are like starting to be like, oh, wow, we, there's, there is a market for this. So hopefully we inspire all kinds of stories of all kinds of love and help normalize it for the mainstream. Yeah, I think it's really important. Everybody listening, pay attention to what I'm about to say. It's very, very, very important that viewers show up for this and share this because other networks and Lifetime, they're going to be watching to see if there's a market for this. And they don't really care, in my opinion, if there is a lesbian love story at the center. They care if it gets eyeballs. They care if it makes money. So make it make money, people. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I concur. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's exciting. I, and Lifetime, you know, like they've been, like I said, like so supportive. And, and I think that they're really happy with the movie as well. All the feedback that I've been getting is just so great and so exciting. And you know, I also like give them props because this was my first, my first made for, for TV movie. And, you know, not every network would take a chance on someone that hasn't done one before, you know, someone has to, or you, you'll never get to do one, but Lifetime really did. They like, they really took a chance on me. They stepped out in full support. And I think we really gave them, really gave them something to be happy about. This is your first feature length film also, right? What was the, do you know what the deciding factor was? Like what made them choose you? When I had my interview, so I had the interview with our amazing executive producer, Danielle Von Zernick, and she's, she's so great. And, uh, you know, we had a, a Zoom interview and then at the very end of it, I, I said, and I've said this a couple of times in my career and I'm trying to get better at it and trying to, you know, I don't know if it's a woman thing. I, well, it, it probably is in some ways, but like I just said to her at the end of it, I was like, look, just so you know, I know I haven't done this before and I know on, on paper, I may not look like the right fit, but I am the right fit. And I promise you that if you give me this job, I'm not going to let you down. And she was like, okay. And I think that there was something about, like ultimately it was lifetime that had to say yes. But, you know, Danielle has said to me that because I stood up for myself like that, that it made her recognize that, that I am a kind of person that will say the thing that needs to be said, even if it's maybe slightly uncomfortable or even if it doesn't get the response I want. And that's, that's sort of what she wanted in a director. She wanted someone that she knew would speak up if they needed to. And Absolutely. so this like little burst of me just like really trying to advocate for myself because it is frustrating. Like I know I'm capable of doing it, but if I haven't done it and don't have the credit to match it some people won't just trust me saying yeah but I can mm. um so I was really lucky um that Danielle like really did hear me say it and 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 trusted me and now she's yeah. like oh yeah great like that was great and then it was such a great shoot all around you know there's the sort of I feel like the sort of same magic that was on set of Two Penny really was that really similar magical vibe on on this on this set as well and it just honestly like I'm a big vibes person as I know you are too and Mm. like you know the vibes on set were 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 so positive and they were so encouraging and it was so compassionate and like it felt like the departments were listening to each other and respecting each other and then we all worked so like we never went into overtime people were going home at a reasonable hour everyone just stepped up and did their job and we just had so much fun making it. It was, 
honestly, it was so joyous. And people, people like pull me aside when I say that and be like, yeah, but how was it really? Like you said <laughs> on social media that it was so great, but how was it really? And it's like, honestly, it really was, it really was that fun. And I know it's not always like that, but it felt really affirming to me that for like this, this kind of big step for me in my career, that it felt so good and so right. And just really helped me be like, okay, yeah, these are all the signs that you're where you're supposed to be. You're going in the right direction. Keep on keeping on so much gumption. I'm saying themes here. Like you will just throw yourself at something with gumption like that. And that's what they need to hear to trust you with such an expensive project for them. I'm sure it was expensive for them and it's a risk that they're taking. If you can't walk in there and say, I can do this. I'm the person for the job. Why would they give you the job? And I think women need to hear that no matter what their dream is, whatever their career pursuit is. It's so important. Yes. If, if there's an apology in your body language or your tone of voice, when you go in to audition or interview, whatever it is that you want, if you're going in with the spirit of apology, that's not going to be in your favor. It's going to hurt you. You need to have that confidence. Do whatever it takes to get into that place before you walk into the room. Totally, totally agree. Totally agree. I'm a little pumped up because I, I feel you've worked, really hard. <laughs> you've worked so hard to get there, but also you've put the time in and, and you've been guided. And does it, feel like a lot of time has gone by or has it just flown? Cause I'm again, going through your IMDB. I'm like, wow, these a lot of TV credits, a lot of directing credits, a lot of writing credits. This is work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. it, it, it feels like a lot of time has gone by and it feels like no time as well. You know, it, it definitely, there's definitely so much time in between some of the gigs that, that felt like agonizing, you know, and, um, like, I think that writing is a real help to me in the sense that I can just sit down at my computer and try and write. And so like, if I don't have a gig, I can at least feel like I do by trying to write something for me to have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, like I, mm -hmm. that little bit of level of control, even though it's not real control, but like just that act of doing, like I try and I've always tried to do something to sort of move the needle forward every day. I also tend to push myself maybe not too far, but I definitely am getting better at practicing ease and practicing like I don't have to be working to like be a valuable person. You know what I mean? Like allowing myself that rest and, and downtime, which I I can maybe struggle with, but it's an industry where it's like there's always someone else that could replace you very easily so it's like it's like balancing that idea of the fact that if you're not hustling you can be replaced with the yeah. the trust in the universe that you are doing what you're supposed to and that you actually are irreplaceable you know I try and like all of the little things like if it's meant to be it will not pass and all I'm a sucker for all of those things that help put water in my resiliency bucket so that I can keep, keep the faith and just keep on. Yeah. I noticed in my snooping around that you have a little, you haven't updated in a while, but you had a little side hustle going on Instagram with food. It looks like you got into it 
really during the pandemic when everybody was sitting around at home, like, now what do I do? And it brought me back to that Wes Anderson thing that I was feeling when I was watching your short films. I was like, oh, this looks like her because it's photographed really beautifully. You were making this art food. <laughs> it was like a beautiful gourmet little meals, but they were plated so deliberately like you would find in a magazine. Oh my God. Honestly, you said so many beautiful, nice things to me, but that's like that you think my food looks like our food is like truly going to be one of my favorite favorite compliments I have ever gotten. <laughs> uh, Maybe you have to make, have you ever seen the movie Big Night? No. Oh, Big Night. You're going to have to check it out. It, it's an art food film, I think, really. It's Stanley oh. Tucci's, I can't remember if he wrote and directed it, but he directed and starred in it. And it's like mesmerizing if you love food. There's a lot of food, uh, yes, food moments in I, it. I will definitely watch that. I, I love food. I am such a foodie and I love cooking and baking. I'm so obsessed. And, and Two Penny, actually, there's like a little bit of the middle bit has to do with like, well, I guess he cooked throughout it. And then there's like lots of talk of applewood cheddar, my favorite cheese. Mm. And like, it, it got accepted into this film festival uh, in Nova Scotia called Devour. It's like a food and film festival. And honestly, my God, that film festival is amazing. It's like all movies and documentaries about food. And then they're like, guests are like different chefs and like all these great food trucks. And honestly, I'm constantly putting food, like themes of food or like, just like, I just love food. It's, it's in anything that I create has food in it. And like, yeah, when fish fly, it was like about funeral food to show like passage of time. Yes. Even under the Christmas tree, one of the characters played by the lovely Ricky Lake, she's a baker. So like, you know, when I got the scripts or I actually got an outline for it before I interviewed and it had this like baking theme running throughout, I was like, oh my gosh, it's queer. It's got baking. It's like Christmas. It's a love story. I was like, there is so much about it that I was like, this is, this movie was meant for me. Like there were so many other things that I can't talk about until after it's out, but like all these pieces that just like made me feel like this is my story. So I think that when I had my big outburst of confidence at the end of the end of the interview, it really was rooted in, you know, authenticity. I wasn't just being like, I can do it. Cause I was like desperate to, I'm like, it was like, I can do this because this movie is me. Like it's, it's so connected and my family um, back in Nova Scotia when I was a kid they used to have my my great aunt my great uncle had this large lot and he was like the town counselor and he he would fill his lot with like Christmas lights and Christmas ornaments and like everyone would go see this they were called like the snow's lights the snow lights so my family's last name is snow um so right. like it was this like big thing in Nova Scotia for, for years growing up that everyone would come and like walk around the property and Santa was there and you could get hot chocolate and it was like this huge thing for the month of December so like as a little kid my job was like I would have like a flashlight and I'd be like walking around if any of the light bulbs were out I'd like go report it to someone and they would change the light bulb or anything oh and my really god you were a director when you were a little kid <laughs> <laughs> me and my walkie-talkie feeling so powerful 
now they don't give me walkie-talkies on set anymore unfortunately I would be way too powerful with you'd be that. blowing it up <laughs> I feel like at 10 floor they'd be like get off the walkie Lisa get back to work your name is Lisa Rose Snow you grew up in Nova Scotia you were the little kid directing like with the walkie-talkie and the it's all feeling again like so synchronistic it feels like each little piece has brought you to this moment. Who yeah. knows what this moment will bring you to, but I can see a through line here. Oh, it's so yeah, sweet. It's, it's really so magical. Yeah. And speaking of magical, I think a really great compliment that I've seen happen a couple of times about under the Christmas tree, under the Christmas tree, December 19th, everybody write it down. In fact, just go schedule it. So you, your TV automatically records it because you're going to watch it or I'm going to come get you <laughs> under the Christmas tree on lifetime. But a compliment that I saw come up a few times was the fact that it's a queer love story is not the best thing about it. The best thing about it is one of the main characters is a Christmas tree whisperer. And you're talking about the baking being such a part of it. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is it. It just happens to be a queer love story in this, in this world, you know, but also she's a Christmas tree whisperer, which is super know, magical. So great, right? You so need great. magic in your Christmas movie. A hundred percent. Totally. I totally agree. Yeah. And it was like magical vibes on set. Like we all had like our crystals and, you know, like, yeah, I think there was a lot of magical beings as part of the project and it just felt so right. It was so fun. Okay. Let's, let's unpack this crystal business. How, how, <laughs> how magical are you? I feel like I'm pretty magical. I feel like that's really, there's, there's a million directors out there. And that's one of the things that I talk about when I have interviews or people are like why should we pick you I'm like well because I'm magic and because I have the power of magic behind me and people like some people are like okay and other people are like okay tell me more you know I'm Ooh. like who who are my people you know um yeah like I I love a crystal like I love like a rose quartz in my pocket I'm more I would say I'm more into vibes but I like I I like it all and I'm always willing to talk about it and one of my producers on Under the Christmas Tree, she's also big into the into the woo and we would be having like long drives just like talking about consciousness and just how to like amplify the love in the world through vibration and all that good stuff. And we just like we would like often show up on locations like kind of like teary eyed because we just had this like epic you know <laughs> epic heart connection about just like how the world is magic and it yeah. Oh my gosh. I hope we get to hang out sometime, Lisa Rose. That'd be so fun. I know. It sounds like you're just fun to be around. Yeah. On, on, on my good days. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll schedule it for a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure we get it on the good day. I know yeah. you said there's some story you wanted to tell me about something synchronistic about the podcast, but I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Do you remember what that is? Uh, yes. Honestly, it is like basically my best story and it is all thanks to you and I'm so grateful to you which is honestly like it was such a profound thing that happened in my life and I like truly give you so much credit for opening my eyes and heart to it and again like I said such a huge fan so so excited to be here so for years while I was still having a job on the side trying to make writing directing my main thing I worked as an assistant to a showrunner so I worked for this wonderful woman for years and she she was Toronto based but she was working in LA so she was working in LA for like nine months so I 
one of my jobs was to drive her car from Toronto to LA to her with all her dogs. She had like <laughs> three dogs. So I did this drive three times, long drive, gorgeous drive, really got to see a lot of America, but driving through with my then partner, now husband, Neil, him and I were driving through the desert. You know, we've been driving already for 11 hours. We're in the middle of New Mexico and we're listening to your podcast, like on repeat. Oh my God. Tell him sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was into it. He was into it. So this is probably, oh my gosh, probably five years ago now. And it was one of your episodes about money and about the energy of money and about how money isn't this evil thing. And I was like really working through my own internal blocks around abundance. And, and you basically were like, it's all right to love money. Like you can love money. And it, this was like the first time I had ever even considered that one could even say that out loud. You know, it was just this like really mind blowing, like, and what you said just resonated. And I like, I rolled down my window and I like leaned out into the desert night and I was like screaming into the wind. I was like, I love money. Just like really like just full of abandon. And then the next morning, less than 24 hours later, the next morning I get a call from, from my boss and she basically is like, her son is, is an actor. And sometimes I would go to set with him when her and his, his father couldn't, she's like, okay, I need you to go to set with P in, when you get to LA, instead of flying back to Toronto, will you go to Dallas with him and work on the show? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. What I didn't know at this time. So that she says that, that next day, then, so then the following morning, so less than 24 hours after I yelled, I love money, I get picked up in LA by a limo and then taken to a private jet, like had no idea that this kid is flying private jet to Dallas. So I'm in a limo, I'm flying private. I land and am picked up by this fancy, fancy car, which takes me to the Ritz where I spend the next two weeks for free being paid to live. And it was just like, wow. Right now, everybody's rolling down their windows. I also know it was, (laughs) it was wild. Honestly, it's like, I, I still can't even believe it to this day. Like it was, and it was like, not just like, like a private jet, like it was a private jet. I, I mean, I mean, I've never experienced any, anything like it, you know, it was just, and it was so immediate and it was so funny though, because there was only room for me to go. So my husband did end up coming to Dallas, but he had to like fly, like, just like normal. He should have yelled. He should have yelled. He's like, I'm trying to think what the lesson here for me is. And maybe it's that I should support you no matter what. I'm like, yeah, that's gotta be it. I'm like, my lesson is that like me and money, we can be friends, you know, but it was just, (laughs) it was just so, it was just amazing. And it was the immediacy of just that, that the universe like really heard me. It was like, oh, you, you, you believe it. Mm -hmm. And then of course, after, after the trip, I, I would say I reverted to some old habits for a while, but just like forever now I have this thing inside of me that has experienced that and not only like the jet of it but just that the universe is listening and is like rewarding and like you know my I changed my vibrations to open myself up to that and it it was like an immediate an immediate thing and it it's helpful in dark times to remember, remember that and remember that that has lived in my body as an experience that I can access and use it to help me move forward 
whenever I need to. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad I asked. I got so swept up in talking about your career. I almost forgot. And now I'm just like, thank you for remembering this, Joanna, because that is a really good story. I'm with you. I believe in vibes and I believe that the universe responds to your authentic, deep, true beliefs and what you think you're worth and what you think is possible. And I think one of the most powerful things you can do is break a taboo, like an internal taboo. Like what is scarier for a very good girl to say than what is more scary than to say, I love money. It just sounds like, am I allowed to say, I don't even know. Is it okay? That's like an internal taboo. And I think yeah. when you break them, when you clearly break it, even just for a moment, like a really free moment and you tap into that freedom, you're tapping into that stream of energy. And mm. I don't even know if it's like this sentient something that's answering you. You're just tapping into that stream of energy. And it's just a big yes. And I love how over the top your experience was, because that's a yeah. big, big yes. I, yeah, it was like, it was like, okay, like heard, like, yeah, you heard me like, just like all the cliche, like the Ritz, a private jet, a limo, like check, check, check. Thank you. You know? Yeah. It's so uh, exciting. And it's true. And, and interesting what you said too, about that, um, that, that good girl complex. Cause I definitely, you know, really want to be good and really want to be liked and like having to break those sort of patriarchal I like, you know, things that have been planted in you and really come through that. It's, uh, it, I think it's an ongoing journey for me, but it, it has been a very powerful, powerful shift in my, um, my own being that, that permission to not have to be good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wanted to highlight you being a boss lady and actually standing in your <laughs> worth, standing in your worth saying, I can do this. I know that I can do this. I am the person for this job. I wanted that to really resonate with women in particular listening. I know it's not only women that have that issue, but we have it especially of just mm -hmm. always apologizing for taking up space and, and trying to be pleasing. It's like the curse of death to be pleasing. It, it not only doesn't get you what you want, it actually pushes people away. It's fascinating yeah. how that works. <laughs> so true. And like, you know, I, it, it's a, it's something that I contend with sometimes as a director, because it's like, sometimes, you know, you have to do the thing that you know, you have a room full of people saying like, let's do it like this. And you have to be the one that's like, no, like, I'm sorry, we have to do it. <laughs> well, maybe you wouldn't apologize. Maybe that's just <laughs> that part, <laughs> right? And it's like, I'm sorry, but no. Um, but like learning how to stand up for, for, for me directing, it's like you ultimately make the decisions, but it's, but then you also have to be taking in everyone else's opinions, you know? So it's like, it's that, it's like, I think a successful director is able to be open to feedback and to ideas and, and to thoughts and then still be like, and then this is the one that I'm choosing and then standing behind that choice, you know, mm -hmm. it is tricky, especially with those, you know, good girl wanting to please everyone. Cause you're just not going to please everyone. And I think when I look at a movie like under the Christmas tree, which I'm so proud of and I'm so excited about and and I think a lot of people are gonna be really happy and hopefully feel really seen and, and really love it and but also 
there are going to be people that don't like it. You know, like they, nobody cares that I worked my butt off for, for the last four months and that I did the absolute, absolute best I could. Like there's still going to be people that don't like it. And there are going to be people that don't like it for, for bad reasons and for good reasons and just sort of letting go of all of that. And like, again, for me personally, just coming back to the idea of the community that was created as we made it. And just like knowing, like, I know we all put our best intentions in there and nobody half-assed it. So it's like, it's like, okay, you're either going to like it or not. That's out of my control now. I, mm. we've all, we've all done the best we can and here we are. Yeah. 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 Okay. So one more time, you, you tell people how, how to watch the movie and when. For our American friends, it's on December 19th on Lifetime. And if anyone's listening in Canada, probably my mom. Hi, mom. Any Canadians can watch it on CTV Drama on December 22nd and 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock in both countries. And I think we're also going to have a UK release date as well, but I don't know that. So to be determined. To be determined for our UK friends, yes. Again. Those of us who get to watch it on the 19th should make a lot of noise. Show these people that we care and we want to see more movies like this. Maybe even directed by Lisa Rose Snow. Hey, I really like saying your name. It's a very good name. I really like hearing you say it. (laughs) If somebody wants to find you online, like where's the best place to go? You go to lisarosesnow.com. I'm also on Instagram, probably too much. So Lisa Rose Snow on Instagram. I make it easy for you. Lisa Rose Snow on Twitter. And then you can always check me out on IMDb. Also Lisa Rose Snow. Lisa Rose Rose Snow under the Christmas tree. Do you have time for two questions? Yeah, totally. Okay. One is special. I want to give a special shout out to my friend Kendra Hesketh, who is also a Canadian actress, writer, director, but not as far down the road as you are in her career. So I was just wondering if you had any tips for her and anybody like that listening, but I just thought she's going to get such a kick out of this. If I can give her a shout out, I would love it. Yeah. Shout out to Kendra. That's awesome. Well, first of all, yay you for living your artistic truth. Way Mm. to go. Yeah. I mean, my advice, I guess my advice would be, yeah, just keep, being resilient, keep finding courage. And I, you know what? I always tell everyone that they should just really need to meditate. My advice for everyone is just, you have to meditate because, oh, it can be such a dark industry, you know, and it'd be, it's so easy to compare yourself and to, to be jealous. And I know that I've had to really work through the compare and jealousy monster because the end of the day it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing and I think the more you meditate and can like clear the voices in your own head the easier it'll be for you to show up as your best self which is probably the way that you're gonna be getting the best work meditate that's good that's a maybe that's maybe that'll be your next answer too because I was just gonna ask you more broadly what is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams for anybody with a dream in their heart I think like self, self love is key. I think you got to love on yourself so hard and so truly and just blanket yourself in love because I think like any job is hard. I mean, the world's hard. Like we're, we're still year what a hundred of a global pandemic. Like it's, it's hard times. We're all, 
we're all on this earth at this time for a reason. And I think that the more we love and the more we meditate and come into that love inside of ourselves, the just honestly, the more we love ourselves, the more we can love everyone else. And the more that we love everyone else, the better everything's going to be. Yeah. And it can't hurt to roll down the window and shout, I love money while you're at it. And you know what? Love money while you're at it. Because <laughs> baby, next thing you know, you're going to jet to the Ritz, you know? <laughs> thank you happen. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I had so much fun. Oh, this has been awesome. I'm, I, again, I'll, I'm going to keep saying it, but I'm so honored to be here and so excited that you asked me and, and thrilled that this movie was the impetus for you to do so. So I'm, I couldn't have been more happy to share this time with you. That was so much fun. I hope you all had fun too, and that you are running over to record under the Christmas tree for on the 19th. If you love the movie too, don't be shy. Lisa's not shy. Totally hit her up on social media and let her know that you loved it because I think she would get a kick out of that. Have yourself a very Merry Witchmas and until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.